All right, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Beauty and the Beast PT and Strength Conditioning, uh, excuse me, uh, Physical Therapy and Strength Conditioning Podcast. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Dr. Ross Childs. How's it going, guys? Good to be back for another week. Uh, I appreciate everyone's feedback on the uh, medical mismanagement. Um, You know, we didn't know what direction that was going to take, so hopefully you guys enjoy today's podcast. Yeah, so today we're going to be talking about uh, the parasites that are the insurance companies. Um, and uh, But before we get into that, real quick, uh, so Ross, do you have any announcements that you want to go through? I know you talked a little bit about your Wellevate account last week. I don't know if you want to drop that again. Yeah, so again, for anyone who, who listened last week, just a reminder, and those who are listening in for the first time, I partnered with a company called Wellevate, uh, and the link will be uh, below. So it's just a a supplement dispensary company that I partnered with. So it just gives you guys access to over 400 professional grade brands. Um, If anyone needs any recommendations, you can certainly feel free to reach out and I can always provide you with those recommendations. You just have to register on my page uh, and then you'll have an account. Um, But one step further than that, uh, as some of you may have seen, for those of you who are on my Facebook page or also on Instagram, you know, really the end of the year has been busy and... uh, you know, I haven't really been posting a lot on social media, so my goal for 2022 is to get back on that. But I really want to make the content relevant to what you guys want. Uh, so if anyone has any ideas for me to, to go over um, with my social media, feel free to, to email Adam or myself. Um, or if there's any techniques that you guys want uh, videos to or any type of progressions, you know, really I'm, I'm open to, to anything. So if anyone has any great ideas or any burning desires that you want me to go over, just let us know. Yeah, so uh, also guys, this is going to be our last one until after the new year. We're recording this one uh, the week, or the couple days before Christmas. We're going to take the following week off and then we'll be back after that. Uh, We may need it to recover after today's. Uh, We're probably going to get a little heated on this one um, if you guys didn't uh, didn't get that feeling last week. Um, But I think that this one is going to be one that when we kind of break down some of this stuff, a lot of people are going to kind of get behind that maybe you didn't you know think about it certain ways before um so i kind of wanted to start this off and this is something that uh i've said to you and i've also talked about it with a couple buddies um and hopefully we'll try to stay out of the political side of stuff but when we're talking about insurance and how it relates to our um kind of privatized healthcare system it's hard to stay completely out of that We're, we're not getting into like deep politics but there probably will be a couple things here and there Um, But one of the things that I've talked to you about and talked to other people about, too, is that we are now at a point in this country where we really don't have a choice anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, I personally believe that privatized medicine and privatized insurance and all this other stuff is probably one of the biggest factors that has caused this country to be so unhealthy and so um, medically dependent. So I definitely think that like a more in quotes, socialized, yeah, like medical type of thing. So like health, government-run healthcare is a better step. But for those of you that are on the left side who probably heard that and are cheering, I'm about to ruin your day because a government-centralized healthcare requires you to take care of yourself. Yeah, that's absolutely true. It doesn't work without it. So if you're sitting at home and you're like, the government should be paying for my healthcare, but you're sitting around, you're not taking care of yourself, you're not moving your body, you're not eating well, and but you're just expecting it to be paid for, 
you're not going to agree with me. If you are one of the people that takes care of yourself, then you have a right to be frustrated because the insurance, the way insurance is set up, it hits all of us. You know, like, and I was thinking about this on the way in, if you think about it, right? So people stay at jobs that they hate because their employers offer insurance packages, right? So either way, and if you're not at a job like that, you have to pay that out of pocket. And what are insurance, I mean, insurance premiums now are five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars a month Mm -hmm. just for general basic insurance. So it hits you either way. You may be thinking, oh, well, I don't have to worry about that because I work at a job. Your employer may be paying you five or $600 a month less than they realistically could because they have to incur that cost of your insurance. Well, and, and, and what a lot of people don't understand, if you are at a job where the employer pays for your, your medical care, your health insurance, outright completely, that's a fucking steal. Yeah. Like, stay with it. Yeah. I don't care if you hate it. Stay with it. Uh, that's right. a, that's a huge benefit, you know. But for a lot of us, it, it, you know, companies, you know, maybe you're paying half, maybe mm-hmm. you're only paying two hundred towards it, um, you know. And then and then the cost goes on you to pay your premium at that point. And then you know, then you got to look into okay, what's the deductible? Is it a high deductible plan? Do I have an HSA associated with it? Do I have a health reimbursement account associated with it? Is it a copay? Is it a, a coinsurance? There's just a lot that people don't know about. But everyone just thinks, oh, I need insurance. Right. It what the hard part for me, you know, and, and I'm a fan of universal health care, and, and no healthcare system is the best. No. You know, we have to recognize that. What we like to point out is that other countries that do have health uh, universal health care have better uh, life expectancy, longer life expectancy, and then also um, infant mortality rates are, are decreased. And that's pretty sad when we have the best medical system supposedly in the world. Right. That the the the, the business of healthcare outweighs the art of healthcare. So at the end of the day, no one really gives a shit about our health. They want us to be sick, and that and that sucks. And whenever I bring up universal healthcare, people usually say, "Yeah, well, I'm going to have to pay more in taxes in order to get this healthcare." Well, what the fuck are our taxes paying for, anyways? Well, okay, and you want to? We want to talk about the tax part of it. So go back to what? Okay, so right, you maybe have to pay a little bit more in taxes theoretically, right? Okay, you're also going to be making more money because now your your employer, assuming that you're okay. Well, either way, it doesn't matter whether you're self-employed or employed by somebody. If your employer doesn't have to pay for your insurance, you're theoretically okay. We're we're talking in theoretics. Your pay should go up because a portion of that isn't going towards the ridiculous cost of insurance and healthcare for your employer. Um, or if you're self-employed, then you're not paying thousands of dollars out of pocket. So at the end of the day, is it really going to be that big of a difference if, you're, if your taxes go up a little bit? Because you're going to be making more. You're not going to be shelling out as much because you're not... Well, and then you potentially look at it as if it's coming out of your taxes, then it's going to be your pre-tax dollar, which then is going to bring down you know, the amount of taxable income you actually have. So in theory, it looks like you make less money at the end of the year, so you just don't have to give as much back. Right. There are always ways around it. Uh, I mean, we're getting into the, the semantics piece of it now, but you know, re- really, with universal health care, people will usually say, well, medical doctors won't make as much. Do they need to make fucking seven hundred thousand a year, anyways? And that's on the low side. That's conservative. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
So th there was a stat that came out and said that typically doctors in Canada make 75% of what the U.S. doctors make. I, I would take that. 75%? Mm -hmm. Sure. Absolutely. I'll take that any day of the week. You know, and oh, oh, you in the universal healthcare system, you have to wait months to be seen. What the fuck happens here now? And we don't have universal health care. Yeah. People are calling up neurologists. Right. Oh, I, I can't get seen until April. Right. Well, what if, what if you fucking die? Right. Like, so I, I just like medical mismanagement, there's right. also the, the, the misinformation that goes around insurance. Everyone's lied to. And, and I understand there are situations we need insurance and that that's, we are not, there are moments where insurance just makes things harder and more challenging for us. You know, if someone has uh, a significant uh, disease or something like that, or if someone's in a motor vehicle accident, sure, you know, there, there's time and a place for it, something catastrophic. But, you know, for your everyday syndromes that we may see, insurance really complicates things and that's that's the unfortunate part and it drives decisions that are not necessarily the best for the patient here's the thing though that i find super frustrating about like the the moments where like you need insurance right so yes catastrophic injury major diseases all that kind of stuff i feel like it, but it's a symbiotic relationship where because of the way that so because of how insurance does things, the costs of everything are highly inflated. So basically, if you have insurance and you take care of yourself, so you, you know, eat well, you exercise, you practice like decent stress management type stuff, then basically what you're doing is paying $800 to $1,000 a month in the chance that you're driving home one day and you slide off the road. And you incur $300,000 worth of medical debt, which is, which is a big deal. But when you consider the fact that because of insurance and because of all that stuff, the inflation of that amount is astronomical. The amount of effort that goes into effort might not be the right word, but medical, like, you know, um, all the things that, that go into your care after mm -hmm. a catastrophic event. Yeah, it does add up unless it's a you know, sustained year-long, you know, hospital stay, it really shouldn't hit 300 grand worth. And people will hit that number in two days just with, you know, surgical. Yeah. And the, but the reason that it's so much is because insurance has caused this ridiculous inflation in the cost of medical procedures, medical care, because they need to see basically – Instead of like, let's say that you go to the doctor, right? Mm -hmm. And you need a test. That test costs them 10, 15 bucks to do just for a round number. Insurance wants to see that if you have, so that if they're covering someone, they're getting a break on how much that test costs. So what happens? Do they give the test for 10 to $15? No. If you don't have insurance, you pay $300 for the $10 test. That way insurance can say, Oh, well, it's only $10 with insurance. Yeah, it only cost them $10 to run the test. It's just a giant house of cards. <laughs> oh, man. But I, I, like the, I like the scenario you gave and the way that you were a little more, uh, I don't want to say politically correct, but you went a different avenue than I anticipated because if we take that same person who's healthy, takes care of themselves, 
pays their premium, rarely ever goes to the doctor just because they don't need to go. Let's be fucking honest. You're paying for the unhealthy people. Yeah. Yep. You know, so it's not even the chance of going off the road. Right. You're paying for everyone else who's in this disease system already. Right. Which that system fucking keeps them there. Yeah. It, it's a cycle. They don't want to make people better. There's no money in health. Right. That's the unfortunate reality. And this is what comes from a privatized healthcare system. Yeah. And I'm not saying that, like, I, I'm sure that, and I mean, I don't know, you, you have more, you have more um, experience dealing with insurance than I do just because you're a professional clinician. But I would imagine that probably the fact that we're a privatized healthcare system is probably one of the reasons why we make so many advancements in medical technology and disease prevention and, or shouldn't say disease prevention, disease uh, curing in yeah. quotes. Management. Management, Yeah. Is yeah because you can they can just throw billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars at it. So like, there are pros and cons to everything. And the fact that we have one of the best, one of the best medical systems in terms of making breakthroughs medically, is probably has to do with the fact that we're a privatized and and medical, and medic uh, medical stuff is considered like a business in this country. Mm-hmm. But when you look at it at the flip side. Those big, huge breakthroughs, you know who's paying for it? You and I. Hmm. Like the these, you know, these giant corporations and stuff, they just use, and I feel like I'm going tin hat a little bit, but I mean, I'm not going too far off base. I mean, we pay our insurance premiums so that they can then take that ridiculous sums of money and you can put another wing on a hospital who's just treating more people who are coming in who are sick in quotes. When again, we've talked about how you feeling crappy could have to do with any number of different things that have nothing to do with the fact that you need to be on a cholesterol med or that you just don't feel right. It could have some, could just be that you're eating like absolute shit, Mm -hmm. but they're going to get admitted. They're going to run tests. They're going to pay thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And then when they get that bill, what do they do? Like, here's an itemized bill. This costs $50,000. This costs $10,000. But lucky you, Ross, you have insurance. You only have to pay ten grand out of pocket. That's right. This would have, for somebody, you're so lucky. If you had come in here with that stomach ache and you had been anybody without insurance, you'd be in a hundred fifty grand worth of medical debt. Aren't yeah. you lucky? Well, it's just like a couple of years ago when we were told, <laughs> oh, you have to have health insurance or we're going to fine you at the end of the year. Yeah. Isn't that like bullying or, or extortion? Have right. this, or we're taking money from you. And you want to you want to walk it right back to the medical mismanagement part again. What was the what is the symptom of medical debt? Our system. So what did we do? Did we look at the system? No. We said, well, we have all these people that are in. It's kind of like what we're dealing with with student loan stuff now. Yeah. We're having all these people that are dealing with medical debt that they'll never be able to get out from under. So what did we do? Did we look into the prices of things? No. Did we look into preventative stuff? No. No. We said, if you don't have insurance, you're going to be in medical debt for the rest of your life. So we're going to make you have medical insurance. Like, again, it... Like, left wing, right wing, that's fucking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't It doesn't insure us medical care, medical costs. It ensures that the insurance companies are getting their money. Right. You know, and that, that's the hard part, you know, because when you really look at the end of the day, you know, doctor's offices and, and from a from a uh, practitioner's standpoint, you know, 
now that I'm out of network, I don't have to worry about it. But when I was in network, to see what insurance companies actually pay for is dog shit. Right. So then the provider then has to make, you know, uh, they have to sell their soul, essentially. You know, they have to drop the quality of their care and they have to see more people. And it doesn't matter what specialty you're talking about. They all did it across the board. Because then our, and I'm speaking now specifically about physical therapy, consistently our reimbursement goes down. So what what physical therapists get reimbursed from insurances consistently goes down. You know, they shave off percentages here and there. And then we have to cram in more people now just to make up for that. Mm-hmm. So now all of a sudden 60-minute appointments turn to 45, and then 45 turns to 40, 40 turn, turns to 30. And then what they do, some places do this, you get 15 minutes with the physical therapist, then the rest of your time is spent with a physical therapy assistant or a physical therapy aide. Yeah. So basically an exercise technician. It's like you're 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 paying this money, you're paying your copay to see the specialist for 15 minutes. Now, if you get 15 minutes with a PT, that's still probably more time than you get with an ortho, than more time you get with a with a neurosurgeon, whatever it may be. You know, the difference is with PT, generally we have to see people multiple times a week in network. You know, again, out of network, I treat people completely different now, and it's working out just fine. Um, but when, and I want everyone to listen to this very clearly. When you go to PT and they suggest oh, I think you'll do best with two or three times a week. (laughs) That's horse shit. The reason they're doing that is they are padding their visits so that they can have the most amount of money that they can get. There's consistent research that shows that going home with a walking program is just as beneficial as supervised physical therapy. And I'm a physical therapist. (laughs) What does that fucking tell you? So I've had, I've had bosses in the past that said, oh, this person has this insurance, so we're going to see them three times a week. Totally negates my clinical decision making. You know, if I say, I'll, I'll see you once a week, you know, in about four visits, you should be fine. You just do your exercises. Well, you know, you know, they have this insurance, so let's, let's see them three times a week. Well, what about my clinical decision making? The reason why I went to seven fucking years of school to learn how to treat these people, you're telling me that I have to treat them based on their insurance? That's unethical. Well, you know, we, we, we're not saying be unethical, but we got bills to pay. It's like, no, that, that's, that's fucking unethical. How am I supposed to do this? I'm, I'm saying they need one time a week. I'm going to give them the tools. Here are your tools. Now just use the fucking tools. Don't come back. I'm saving these people money. You know what? Don't diagnose their wallet. If they don't have the financial resources to come, I'm not going to put them in trouble. I would rather them spend $150 on groceries for their family mm-hmm. than come here. I just, it disgusts me. You know, and there's a lot of, and, and again, I'm, I'm just talking about PT right now because that's what I'm most familiar with. It absolutely disgusts me when managers say, why don't you bill for this code instead because we get reimbursed higher. <laughs> and yes, this shit happens, everyone. I'm oh, yeah. not making it up. This shit happens. Yep. You know, and if you don't think it does, it does. If you have friends and family in the medical field and you're thinking to yourself, this shit does not really happen, it does. And if they tell you it doesn't, they're lying. 
And it's disgusting because now it becomes a business decision. It's not a healthcare decision. It's not what's best for the patient. It's what's best for this person in front of you. You know, if someone said to me, I can't afford to be here three times a week, I'm not going to ask you to be here three times a week. And where people have 50, 60, 70, I've even seen $85 copays for physical therapy. You think I'm going to ask them to come in three times a week? I, it's one of the main reasons why I went with out-of-network care because I can provide more care and I don't have to worry about the bullshit from insurance. You know, they don't tell me what to do anymore. So, fuck them. And the other thing, too, is that that type of shit it also continues to, kind of tying it back in, foster this, like, dependence on the medical system, right? So, like, you could, you, you meet somebody here, when you see somebody now, you, you tell them, you help them understand what's going on, you give them the things that they need, and then, like, now they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You have to see a clinician three or four times a week or, or whatever, or three or four times over the course, whatever. Now, every single time you're coming in, they're doing the same thing. It just continues to foster that cycle of, well, I can't do it without this person. Why, why else would I be seeing them mm-hmm. three times a week if I didn't need to do it and if they, you know, if I could do it on my own? Yep. And then, I mean, most, I, you know what, I, I actually haven't had to deal with it in a while, so I don't know if things have changed. But before, you know, you had... You only have a certain number of visits that they will pay for. Oh, no. It's still the same way. So if you blow through those because you're seeing your clinician three to four times a week, but you don't actually learn what the fuck to do, then then you get to the end of it and you're like, well, now I don't know what to do. I'm in pain and now I have to shell out of pocket because my insurance isn't going to cover anymore. Mm-hmm. It just, it's a giant cycle of bullshit. And the other thing that I wanted to, to when you drop kind of a little ways back, when you were talking about... Um, having to bring more patients in and all this other stuff. It like, and we talked a little bit in the last episode about how most clinicians, like they would like to be able to spend more time with their patients, whether they're a doctor or a PT, I mean, a, you know, a PCP, a physical therapist, whatever. They yep. would like to spend more time with their patients and actually help them, let them know what's going on. For anybody that's ever dealt with insurance has probably been through the fucking ringer of having to, you know, you need... You're sick, you, you know, you have something and, and your doctor prescribes this particular medication and you go to pick it up and you find out that your insurance isn't going to cover this one. It's only going to cover the generic. But you know that the generic isn't going to work in the way that the the regular, the, uh, the label, whatever, the yeah. whatever. So, or, you know, medication is one thing, but, you know, when it comes to PT and stuff like that. So then that doctor... Or, or like they'll we'll, we'll cover this part of your PT, but not this part. Even though the part that they're not covering is the part that you actually need. Yeah. So then, what does your doctor have to do? You have to call your doctor. So then they have to talk with their nurse. They have to get back to you. They assuming that you connect with them on the first try. And there's probably ringing back and forth. And that doctor has to go back. They have to write the insurance and explain to the insurance why this is why this specific thing is needed, not the other thing that they're saying they'll cover. And then I'm sure that it's not just one follow-up. I'm sure they have to do it multiple times. For one person, okay, maybe that's like 10 to 15 minutes for a doctor. I don't know. I haven't been in those shoes. But like, let's just say it's an easy fix and it's 10 to 15 minutes tops. 10 to 15 minutes multiplied by the 5,000 people that one doctor has to see. Like you just keep – we keep 
multiplying the reasons why people aren't actually getting care because of all this other bullshit that the clinicians have to deal with in order to just try and help someone. Oh, sure. You know, and, and again, at, at my last job, I dealt with that as far as I would do my regular physical therapy assessment. I'd write up my paperwork and then I would have to fill out separate paperwork just to ask permission for people to come in. So it was taking me twice as long. I fill out this stupid bullshit paperwork that they could have got all the information just reading my original documentation that I have to do anyways. And then they come back and say, you requested 15 visits. Congratulations. We'll give you three. Like, <laughs> like they're doing me a goddamn favor. So now at the third visit, I have to do it all over again. But the insurance is not dumb. They say, well, you gave us three. So guess what? We'll give you two next time. It's like, all right, well, now I'm only up to five. I asked for 15. So then what? Well, you can do it one more time. We'll give you one and then you have to discharge them. And then you'll have to start all over again. So now if I get those six total visits, now I have to make sure I get the referral all over again. I fill out all the extra paperwork. I have to discharge the old case and I have to plea my case. And then if I want to appeal it, I then have to call them, talk to a physical therapist who's been hired on their staff who has sold their soul so they can lie and bullshit and say, oh, research says yada, yada. Don't, don't tell me what fucking research says. I read that shit for fun. <laughs> like, don't tell me that, oh, research says it only needs three visits. No, there was 2% of the population that only needed three right. visits. Don't, don't, don't. Don't tell me about p-values. Don't tell me about statistical scores or correlations. I'll fucking, I'll talk that any day of the week. But what, what does this person right here in front of me need? And I didn't realize this until I started having to... I talked about the issues I had with the back a while ago. Um, until I started kind of going through that process. Because I'd been in PT in the past, but nothing like that. And knowing that, again, fostering that, that cycle of dependence. That if you go too long... I didn't know this until I started dealing with it. If you go too long between visits... Your case like resets, and you guys have to. You guys would have to go through an initial assessment and everything. Even yep. though, you know, at the time seeing Sarah, yep. right? Um, she knew what I was coming in for. She treated me, you know, several times, and not not like stuff had really changed. And yep. she can find, and just like you, like can poke around and find what the problem is. But because it's been more than three months since my last one, instead of just getting me in and working on the same thing that I worked on three months ago, I have to go through over. start all. It's so it's so fucking it's it's time wasting. It's like it it's so it's so dumb. Yeah. Like why? And again, and then so then you're like, and then in a in a setting where like you guys are good examples of like getting right to the heart of the issue, whereas other other physical therapists, it's a lot of runaround stuff and it's just like shit that you probably don't need to be doing. So then you start that cycle all over and it's like, and now you've wasted four visits before you ever got to like what actually was the problem when you already knew what the problem was. It just, it's mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, Sarah, Sarah was always good at you know, being able to rationalize, you know, all right, we got to do the evaluation process. Whereas me, right. I, I'd blow up. I'd be like, oh, fuck really? this. Why do I need this? So <laughs> she would listen to me vent all the time. I mean, that's part of the reason why I was able to to get through 
insurance was right. because of her because I would be in my room typing away, getting pissed <laughs> off, hating life, getting ready to throw my computer out the window. I'd come out, I'd go around the corner, I'd knock on her door, I'd be like, you free? And then she'd, yep, I'd close her door and I would just go off. <laughs> and and she would just be smiling and laughing and being very patient. And then I'd be like, well, thank you. This is the only way I was going to get through today. Close her door, go back and, and hate life again. But, you know, it's it's the unfortunate reality of what clinicians have to go through to try to provide quality care. And during this process, quality is a relative term now. Because now it's like, all right, now do I give what's best for the patient or do I give what's best for reimbursement? You know, and, and the hard part is I'm not blaming PTs for this because this or, or any healthcare professional, they're just trying to dance around the system that's in place. And to be fair, and I'll, sorry, I just want to make this one point. To be fair, and maybe this is just the cynical like nature in me, uh, if they're going to fuck you, fine. Fuck them back, like, and but but at the end of the day, that's not helping anyone. But I, I, but like, I can understand the mindset of like, fine, you're gonna put me through these paces, then you're gonna pay out as much fucking money as I can possibly get out yeah. of you. Well, Sorry, you know, continue. and it's it's just one of those things. It's like uh, dry needling, for example. Yeah. For the longest time, we didn't have a code for it, so people were putting it under manual therapy, but it wasn't getting paid, or, or it wasn't getting paid for so they put it under manual therapy they put it under imt with and they would use different ways of of disguising it and then all of a sudden it was don't put it under manual therapy because if you get audited it's not a manual therapy technique so then people were having to pay out of pocket for it and then insurance says well we're going to build a code for it but we're not going to pay for it so you can at least let us know (laughs) that you're using it we'll deny it and then that bill goes on to the patient. Why didn't I just fucking charge him to begin with? <laughs> it, it just, it makes no sense at all. It's absolutely stupid. But insurance is not dumb. Right. You know, they see, oh, you know what? People are paying out of pocket for treatment X, Y, and Z. We want our piece of the pie. You know, and I think chiropractic is a very good example of that. You know, chiropractic wasn't always covered as well as it is today. Mm. You know, there's less restrictions on it. Um, chiropractors had to become very good at marketing. And people were paying money hand over fist. Insurance looked at that and said, wow, they're making a lot of money and people are paying for it. You know what? Let's start insuring them. You're welcome. They didn't care about chiropractic. They saw the amount of money that was being made and they said, we want our cut too. You know, it's, it's, it's like that with everything. You know, it's eventually they're going to reimburse for dry needling. Eventually they're going to say, listen, we'll, we want our cut too. So we're, we're going to make this a billable code. You know, we'll, we'll take our however cut out of it, whatever they take. We'll give you five bucks and then what the balance that's left over, just give that to the patient. Don't worry about it. On top of the $75 copay, <laughs> whatever the balance is. Just send it to him in the mail. Don't worry about it. It's just a surprise bill. They don't know shit. <laughs> no. Yeah, listen. Listen, oh. you've already had $850 worth of care. It's a surprise bill. You know, so now these patients are, are showing up two, three months later after they get this bill. Well, why do I have this? Oh, well, the insurance, it looks like the insurance company didn't cover X, Y, and Z. And there's a balance. Sorry about that. Well, I'm not paying that. No one told me. Well, it's because clinicians don't know. Yeah. Consumers don't know. All the while, the insurance company just sits there and laughs, and they're, they're collecting theirs. You know, someone at the top at the insurance company is making a lot of yeah. goddamn money. 
It's funny. I'm not. It's not funny. I'm laughing partially because of how ridiculous it is, and partially because I've totally been that. That there's a specific example. And it's not a good example. People at home don't do this because it's not. It's not good for you to do. But every time I go to uh, get my eyes checked, because I have to do that every year because I wear contacts and they make you do that every year, and whether that's whatever. Mm-hmm. But I'll go and I'll check out, and I'll be like, "Hey, do I owe anything?" No. Okay. Well, last time. Uh, they told me I didn't owe anything, and then I got a bill for $25. Okay, well, there's nothing here that says you owe anything. Okay, good. And then I get a bill for 25 And I – it's terrible. I refuse to pay that fucking bill. I'll, I pay it the next year when I show up. Yeah. And they're like, oh, it says you have a $25 bounce. Yeah, it's from the bill last time that you guys told me I didn't need to pay, and I refuse to fucking pay because I get it in the mail, and I'm like, no. you. you I, li- I looked at you, and I said, this is the third year in a row that I said, you guys tell me I don't owe anything. And then I get a bill. So just let me pay. And it. Well, the thing is, too, once things are processed by the insurance company, then the insurance company would then send that bill out. And so I, I, I'll defend them that day. Yeah, I, granted. I know that it's not the, their yeah. fault. I just like, it's yeah. just another example advance, of why I would the... just hand them the 25 bucks and say, this bill's going to come to me. Right. Here's my money in advance. Because right. I don't want to get pissed off because you've told me zero. I know it's not going to be zero. Right. I'm right. You're wrong. Take the goddamn money. Right. Oh my God! I, I want to. I'm swearing a lot today. I apologize. <laughs> this is this is this is not not like me. Usually, it's Adam swearing up a storm. So I apologize. We knew this one was coming. Yeah, out for I, you. Yeah. I, I do swear like a sailor outside of work. But for anyone who only knows me professionally, this this is a lot today. <laughs> um. So just to get an idea, and we've kind of done it in bits and pieces, and I kind of think it'll be good for people at home to to hear this. So Ross, if you if you could like from dealing with insurance in the past, yeah, can you? He's already like rubbing his head, like fuck. Here we go. Um, could you take me through just like a gen- nothing crazy, like what it would look like? So new patient from beginning to in quotes end, like what that would kind of look like. And I don't know if that's I don't know if that's way too general a question. I don't know if you want to narrow it down some to like no, so, just to get so, a feel for how ridiculous it is on your end of things. All right, so. When we're talking about insurance, there's a difference between uh, HMOs, PPOs, and really that determines do you need a a PCP, so a gatekeeper, um, or a a PPO, you don't need anyone, you can kind of go wherever you want, so those are going to typically be higher premiums. It gives you the freedom to go to these places. So we're going to stick to an HMO where people typically have to have a PCP to kind of run things. So from, from my standpoint, let's just say someone comes in for shoulder pain. So let's say patient X hurts their shoulder doing something. You know, they let it rest for a couple days. They don't know if anything's the problem. Well, I'm going to call my PCP and I'm going to go in. All right, great. Well, I want to see an ortho. So, you know, do you have a recommendation for an ortho that I can go see? I want to make sure I didn't tear my rotator cuff. The PCP then says, well, you have to come in and see me first. So now you got to drive. You got to probably take the morning off from work. You got to drive all the way in, see the PCP, pay your copay. They see the shoulder. They say, you know what? Rest it. Don't do anything. All right, great. So now three weeks go by. Why don't you come back in? That's another copay. Now they say, okay, well, we can try we can try an injection or we can try prednisone. So now the patient's got to try that and potentially take another week off. You know, and that could be a prednisone or a Medrol dose pack. That's a six or a ten day taper. All right, come back in. Now we're up to another copay. All right, now I'm going to send you out to the ortho. But guess what? Can't get in for about four weeks. So, okay. All right, great. Goes to see the ortho. Has to do an x-ray. So now that's taking up time. 
They probably have suggested doing a cortisone injection. So now you're there. Oh, you know what? We can also send you to physical therapy. Now you get to PT and it's like, all right, well, if this is like Cigna or um, Harvard Pilgrim, not so bad. Um, trying to think of the other ones. But some of them that require pre-authorization. So now I have to see the person and I have to go, all right, how many visits do they have ahead of time? And they'll say, well, we'll cover this first one. Fucking thanks. One. <laughs> so now I have to do my pre-authorization. Patient comes in. I do my evaluation process. Okay. Now, once I'm done with my evaluation process, I have my documentation done. I now have to do an authorization for my plan of care. So now let's say they have shoulder impingement or subacromial pain syndrome, which heals rather quickly. You know, they'll probably only need about six weeks of physical therapy. You know, all right, so two times a week, let's just go on the far end of the scale, 12 visits. The insurance company comes back and says, I'm going to give you, I'll give you five. Great. I'm, I'm ecstatic. Anything above three, I feel like I hit the lottery. The patient usually goes back to see the doctor in about four weeks. So now from that time that they saw the uh, physical or uh, the orthopedic surgeon, they've had four weeks of physical therapy. I've probably used eight of the 12 visits. They go in. How's things going? All right, feels good. Go back to PT. No shit, we're not done yet. All right, that's, a, that's another copay on top of eight visits now. Yeah, it's hard to keep track of it all at this point. Okay. So they I'm come in for uh, another two weeks of physical therapy. Now I'm at the point I have to request more visits now. So I have to do a, a reevaluation, plus I have to do a reauthorization, which they're probably only going to give me three visits, maybe two. Then in that time frame, I have to get them better. Because I know if I get to two, then the only magic number that's left is one. And usually with one, they say one plus discharge. That means send them home with a home exercise program. If they're not any better, they then have to go back to the orthopedic surgeon for a third visit to see how things are going. So now calculate the number of visits and co-pays that they had to go through, they the patient. Think of the number of authorizations I had to do on top of the paperwork that I had to do myself just for the clinic. And then think about the number of times they had to go see the orthopedic surgeon unnecessarily, but because they had a follow-up and that's what insurance wants to see you do, they had to waste time, energy, and money to go to a follow-up that really didn't matter in the first place. For those of you keeping track at home, that was 21 different copays. That's, that's insane. <laughs> Absolutely insane. Which, if it's something as simple as subacromial pain syndrome or shoulder impingement, you probably could have shaved that down by about 16 visits. It probably, if not more. I was going to say, and so, what, eight and three, two. So that was, what, 11 of those 21 visits were, were PT-based. PT-related. So related. that's still, so realistically, that's probably, what, 11, 12 co-pays that they didn't need yeah like even if even if they just did went straight to pt they could have like that's still 11 or 12 they didn't need exactly you know most states right now are direct access so you can go see a physical therapist without a without a referral from the pcp mm -hmm. the only way you would potentially need it is if the insurance company requires it so you know it in in my situation patients come in and really day one it's is this something significant where I need to refer you out. So that's a case where if this is purely musculoskeletal, great, I can help you here. And it's probably only gonna take this number of visits. Or if someone says, I don't have the money for this, great, here are your exercises. 
keep in touch with me and we'll get you through this. So it's just a matter of kind of taking out the middlemen, which in this case would be the, the PCP and the ortho, but the reason that they're there is because insurance has trained everyone like a goddamn house pet. Go see them, then they send you the specialist, they send you the PT, who's still considered you know, the low man on the totem pole. When you look at healthcare professionals, we're still quite low. People don't know what we do in the first place. You know, it's like, oh, go ahead and go, and they'll, they'll wave their magic wand on you, and they'll stretch you out, and they'll put some heat on you. You're going to be great. In the time that you've been here, or, or you and I have been working together, have you seen me use an ultrasound unit? No, do you even have one? No. It would be a coat rack. <laughs> do, you, do you see heat or, or cold in here? Or, no. <laughs> yeah, so I don't have a hydrocolator. It's or, so funny. I hadn't even thought about the fact that you don't yeah, have one. No modalities. <laughs> no modalities. And it's just, oh, my God. If We're all just trained. Right. We are trained. No one wants to think outside the box when it comes to their health. Right. You know, and that's because we put doctors up on a certain pedestal and then insurance decided to take over in 1966 and they decided to just, I have to be nice. I'm not going to say bad terms. They've, they've decided to just have their way with us <laughs> since then. Um, so it just, I can feel my blood pressure going up. <laughs> just now? Uh, I think I'm actually losing blood at this point. So, uh. Um. Yeah, no, it and I don't know. I lost, I lost my train of thought a little bit. I know there's, it, there's a lot going on here. Uh, oh, now I remember what I was gonna say. So and and again, like so, I we run in. I tend to run into this more so um, now that now that you're you're working out of uh, out of get fit with us. Um, and it's just because I've never I've never actually prior to that referred somebody to a non. Uh, network mm-hmm. or a, a, a what do you what is it technically called? Out, out of network uh, just out of network okay yeah. just an, an out of network uh, PT um, so people will always say well my insurance doesn't cover that so let's say that I, I'm not going to throw actual numbers so I'll just use lar- I'll just use huge ones so let's say that it costs five hundred dollars to see you for an hour people see that number and think oh there's no way I can afford that. But if you look at the entire process, you go to see, and again, I'm inflating all these numbers, people, so don't think it costs that much to see Ross for an hour. Um, but so inflating like your uh, your co-pays, let's say that it, it costs you a hundred, so a fifth of, of that to see to pay a copay to see your PT. So in order to do that, you have to pay so you for one hour five hundred dollars, or you pay one hundred dollars for your copay to see your PCP, you pay Probably set another seventy-five for the cortisone shot. You pay another hundred-dollar copay to go see the ortho. You pay a hundred-dollar copay to go see the PT once, twice. So that's one hundred, two hundred, three hundred, four hundred, five hundred. That's what five visits. Yeah. So in which that's typically thirty-minute appointments, if right? You, if exactly. you're lucky, versus an hour, right? So we've already almost doubled how much doubled, tripled at this point, how much it would have cost to see them see you once. Mm-hmm. And realistically, they may not need to see you, depending on the issue, they may not need to see you five times. Yep. So like you could have paid that one, you, you actually might have saved money. You most likely would have saved money depending on, you know, your, your affiliation and all that stuff. 
by doing that in the first place rather than going through, but because each one insurance tells you is cheaper to stay in network, yeah. it, it's nickel and diming 101. Oh, well, and, and yeah, I think the biggest mistake pe- people will say is, well, physical therapy is covered by insurance. Physical therapy is a service under the insurance umbrella. It doesn't mean it's covered by it. So people just assume, oh, you know, I just gotta, I just gotta pay my copay and that's it. Or they don't even realize what their copay is. Mm-hmm. You know, generally this is this is where they get you. They'll say, all right, if you see your PCP, it's a it's a thirty dollar copay, and then a specialist is sixty or fifty and eighty, whatever it may be. So go see your PCP. But if you see a specialist, now we're gonna charge you more money. You know, if it, are are we really goddamn special? You know, <laughs> that that's really the big thing. And PT falls under that. So people come in. You know, I have an eighty five dollar copay. No. Well, my bosses want me to see it three times a week. So now multiply that $85 copay times three, and they generally want you to do that for the first four weeks. Now that's a substantial amount of money. So there's got to be a better way. There has to be a better way. You know, and and healthcare creates, the, the current healthcare system that we're in creates dependency. We are not creating any type of independence, and that's where we can flip the script. You know, and that's where I appreciate when patients come in, they pay for their care because now they have skin in the game, and that's a bigger difference now. It's like they're they're investing in themselves. You know, that that insurance bullshit, they do it because they feel like they have to. But people that are paying out of pocket, all right, now they got some skin in the game. And it's like, listen, I can show you these things to do. If you feel like you want me to beat you up, I can do that. Or I can show you how to do it. If you have any issues, let me know. I've been very fortunate. People so far have appreciated that. But why can't we take that same mentality? You know, maybe the PCP starts asking, you know, how's your nutrition? How's your sleep? What's your physical therapy like? Or uh, physical activity like? Um, How about stress management? You know, well, before we get on pills... Try these things first, you know, come back and see or monitor your blood pressure. You know, let me know how it is. Don't come back in and, and pay your copay. Right. It, you know, and, and I think telehealth gives us an avenue that way, but it's still, you know, oh, check back in in three weeks. It's all right. Well, they still need to make money, but at least it's an avenue that gives people more power because you don't feel like you're kind of trapped in that, that, that system. Um, but it's, just like we talked about with medical mismanagement, you have to take care of this shit yourself, you know? And if, if you don't want to accrue the, the cost of, of medical management, if you don't want to deal with the insurance bullshit, you, ha- you have to take care of yourself. You have to be your, your biggest advocate. You have to do everything you can to avoid using insurance. And that that's really it. You know, if you just, if everyone was healthy and just paid their premiums, think about the amount of money that insurances wouldn't make. Mm-hmm. Now, they're still making free money off of us because right. we're paying the premiums. Yeah, we're pay- paying to, uh, in case, in the probability, it, it's, yeah. Exactly. But at least they're not making it from having oh, to go right. see specialists X, Y, and Z, or yeah. because I've come down with this, or I need this prescription medication, or, you know, it's, again, it, it all comes down to the business of healthcare. In, in today's society is far more important than the art of healthcare. And that's, that's the shitty part. You know, and that's why we keep getting sicker. 
you know, we keep them more unhealthy. You know, it, it, as a society, we have not looked ourselves in the face and, and said, we're doing this completely wrong. Everyone, just like with medical mismanagement, you know, let's do the same thing over and over again, but this time is going to be different. We're going to get a different outcome this time. No, that's not, that's not the way it works. If it did, we'd all be geniuses at some point. So it's just one of those things where we have to recognize what's wrong. And in this case, insurance does not help us. Again, and there are situations where it does, but I'm talking about the every everyday things that people go to, you know, the, their PCP for that doesn't need advanced care, but because now, you know, there's there's an algorithm that you have to follow. You know, a lot of these medical doctors, we'll just say practitioners, because it doesn't matter which which one you're seeing. You know, they have their iPads in front of them. They're just clicking off check boxes, and these algorithms will say, well, yes, all right, do this. No, do this. You know, where's the clinical decision making at that point? You know, now now you're just getting sent somewhere that you probably don't need to be, wasting more time, wasting more energy, wasting more effort, wasting more money. And it just doesn't need to be that way. God. <laughs> I'm deflated now, Adam. I'm deflated. <laughs> did you get it? You're deflated because you're you're depressed or did you get it all out? I think it's a little of both. A little bit, a little bit of both. I'm going the rage cage tonight. <laughs> I'm, it's going to build back up. I know that. I know that the the thing that I think is is most frustrating for me, and I kind of touched on it a little bit at the beginning. We touched on it in the last one too. Is it's like, is now it's it's just become the snowball effect. You know, like we're so far into sick care in this country that it's it like the amount of. It's just, it's become so passive. The, the, I think I said this to you. I know I said it to my buddy. The, way, the best way I could use to describe it, the only way that it changes is like, okay, if people go for generate, we're talking generations of taking care of themselves. And like, I mean, this long after I'm dead, it would take to get to a point where the country understood that, I mean, I guess unless some random guy got into office tomorrow who just was like, no, nope, I believe this and got and dismantled everything fucking anarchy if that happened but anyways like the the only way it changes pretend like is if you had like a neuralizer from men in black for yeah. those for those of you who don't know haven't seen that. that movie yeah i would love it basically what happened is so real quick synopsis aliens government agency that watches aliens will smith tommy lee jones great movie but basically what happened is when somebody would see something like an alien or whatever that they they weren't supposed to know existed they had this little device that looked kind of like a pen they held it up in front of their face and it flashed and they forgot, they would forget whatever length of time they set it to. So like if they saw something for 10 seconds, they'd set it back 10 seconds, they'd forget whatever. And then they would just tell them like what happened. Like, oh, you didn't see anything. You were just like walking down the street and you saw a, a random sign. You just kept walking or whatever. Yep. The only way that anything changes overnight is in a scenario like that where you can just like flash and make everybody forget a hundred years of, I'm not even putting in quotes, sick care. Because that's what we've been so conditioned to believe that you have to do X, Y, and Z, that nothing is preventative, that it, it just, it's, it's kind of scary. Yeah. Not kind of, it is scary. Oh, and when we look at, at things like, uh, I, I appreciate science, I appreciate medical care when it's needed, but if you look back to the, the 50s, you know, we saw an increase in, in uh, cardiac disease. Now, is that because we truly saw an increase in cardiac disease 
or did we just have an increased criteria of what cardiac disease actually was? Right. Yep. So we have to start looking at things like that. You know, again, when when we look at the definition of high blood pressure now, you know, what we call high blood pressure now was not high blood pressure 50 years ago. Right. You know, the, the numbers back then were, were vastly different. So it, it's just when we stop and think about these things for a second, when we truly stop and think about it and try to make things more common sense, then it's like, holy shit, there may be another way. Right. You know, and it's not even like I'm trying to play devil's advocate. It's just, it's fact. You know, we just, we can't get out of our own way when it comes to this stuff. Well, it's like, I mean, how unhealthy is it if you're 250 pounds and 5 foot 11, right? I mean, it's basically, you're morbidly obese at that point. It doesn't matter that, it doesn't matter if you're 10% body fat. Yeah. But it's just another example of how, like, it's such a, like, you have to use a little bit of common sense to it, too. Sure. Like, take the, take the, the science, out, the, in quotes, out of it. You take two people that are right next to each other. One's 250 pounds at 5'11 and is, you know, 45% body fat. And the person next to them is the exact same height and weight at 10% body fat. Well, the guy who's 45% body fat is obviously has a higher mortality risk than the other guy. Mm-hmm. But looking at this chart, again, click this box to get to this box. And this is how you handle box number four. They're exactly the same. Yeah. And you have some, and not that, not that all, not that medical professionals are stupid and they can't see that, but like, it just continues to fit the pattern of like m- things fitting into like boxes they shouldn't be, or like not yeah. not really being able to think through the process of like think about it common sense wise over just like simple statistics. Well, and when we look at like BMI, for example, I always love when I go to the doctor, so. You know, I usually only have to go every five years. They tell me to come back. I'm usually generally healthy. But the last time I went, I think I was 192 pounds. You know, I'm about 186 right now. And they go, you know, for your height, 5'10", you know, at 192 pounds, your your BMI is 29.6 or whatever it was. It's like, you know, that's, that's overweight and 30 is obese. And I said, listen, I know I'm no cover model, <laughs> but I am far from being obese. You know, there, there's a difference. When it's the healthcare professional who has a high BMI, like a legit high BMI, mm-hmm. but it's just unique how it's like, all right, you know, I, I I know that you know I could be healthier, but I'm sure as fuck not obese. I right. I can promise you that. So it's just stupid shit like that, you know, or, or, or the medical community. Oh, you know what? Your cholesterol is pretty high. You know, take this medication. All right. Well, the medication does lower the cholesterol. But it doesn't increase life expectancy. Your, your, you know, uh, all risk mortality is still the same as someone who's not on statins. Right. You know, or you look at men over in in uh, the Mediterranean that live healthy, robust lifestyles into their their seventies and eighties have higher cholesterol numbers. So what's the problem here? Right. You know, is it is it our view on cholesterol? Is it you know? We, we have to start challenging the norm. I, I, mean, I don't run into this a ton, but every once in a while, it's the, the one thing that I always think of is, uh, I can't remember if, it's, if they're beta blockers or if, I just can't remember whether it's beta blockers or blood pressure meds that tend to do it. I think it's blood pressure meds normally. But when I have somebody coming in and they're like, oh, I'm lightheaded. Why? Oh, because I'm on a new blood pressure medication. It doesn't let it get above a certain thing. Like, okay, well, 
I understand that you're trying to bring their blood pressure down, but that shit ain't normal. Like, you, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, like, go for, and I'm not talking about, like, we just blasted them for an hour without letting them stop. I'm talking like you did a 20 seconds of an exercise and you're lightheaded, out of breath, because your, your body cannot do what your muscles are asking it to do because you're on something. Mm-hmm. Or you're you're on a medication of some kind, and I'm not saying that people don't need it, but I'm saying like there, are, maybe if you know you were working more on that health side of things, maybe they wouldn't need to be on the blood pressure medications, which is then making the health things harder. And that person isn't going to think, oh, it's my blood pressure meds. I probably need to figure out how to get. Well, I mean, a lot there are a lot of people that want to get off the meds they're on, and yeah. I, so I don't mean to generalize, but most of the time. They're not thinking, oh, I need to find another way to not be on a blood pressure med. They're, they end up thinking, oh, this is too hard for me. This exercise is too much. I need to stop. Mm-hmm. And then it just, again, continuing that cycle of... Um, and again, we can go down the list when it comes to a lot of these conditions. I mean, you look at sleep apnea. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I can't, I'm astounded by the number of people our age... You know, and then you're you're a little younger than me, but I'm sure if you ask some of your friends, they have sleep apnea. Yep. Like early 30s, sleep apnea? And what's the biggest... Usually it's because they're, they're fucking unhealthy. Yeah, I, I... They have a gut. They already have erectile dysfunction in their early 30s. Yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Th- that's motivation enough for me to get high. Right, right, like, right. I mean, come on, let's be serious here. Yeah. But early 30s, sleep apnea, erectile dysfunction, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, and all of those are, are modifiable risk factors. Right. Take care of your health. Next thing you know, you can point and shoot normal again. You can actually, you don't have a gut. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, oh, yeah. I'm gonna throw my computer across the room. All right, we're almost we're almost in an hour. <laughs> All right, let's cut it. We've done a lot of angry elf stuff today, and uh, I think we hit a lot of good points too. So, guys, have yourself a fantastic holiday season. Unless I mean, I'm I'm kind of. Are you cool with cutting it? I'm cool. I need to go on blood pressure meds myself. Now. <laughs> All right, guys, have a fantastic holiday. Whether it's Christmas or or any other holiday, happy holidays. Um, Have a great new year, and we will talk to you afterwards. You guys know the drill. Uh, Email address will be in the uh, the description if you have any questions for the show that we can answer, um, as well as uh, Ross's Wellevate uh, uh, link. Also, the link to our uh, individual uh, Facebook pages, including Ross's Ask Ross Anything, which he does every Thursday night. Are you doing it this Thursday? Uh, this week I'm off. We'll okay. come back and do it on the 30th, I believe, is next Thursday. Okay, okay cool. So the first one will be on the 30th, but get in on that, uh, ask questions, and, and he goes live and answers them you know, as they come in. So have a great uh, set of holiday, guys, and we will catch you in a couple weeks. All right, guys. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year.